Rock Rising is an artist-focused, nonprofit organization. We rely on listeners like you to keep going. If you want to find out how you can support a show, an artist, or give to our 2021 organizational costs, please go to rockrising.org slash donate. Thanks for listening. Here we go. <clears throat> no, I'm kidding. I don't do that. All right. Everybody, we're back. It's looking for artists. I'm very excited. Um, I, I'm not going to repeat myself too much, but I was just telling our guest, I was staring at a leaf out of my window that was like blowing in the backyard. And I was like, I'm hype. I'm actually hype for this episode. So wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you are, thank you for being here. Um, we used to be the show where uh, I said, we have another special guest. Every guest gets more and more special. I think after this episode, we'll have to stop saying that because I don't know if we'll be able to top this. Um, the nicest dude I think I've ever met by proxy of my wonderful wife and also um, business partner, Julie. Um, so I'm very fortunate to have this person on today. So I'll give the um, the standard old drum roll that I give and then um, my guest, my dude, you can say your name uh, because I like how people say their own names. You can even say Hi, your, name, is... your name and what you do. Here's, here's your drum roll. Oh, hello. Hi, I'm uh, Achilles Stamatolaki. Um, I'm a writer, comedian, director, uh, teacher. And that was an amazing intro, I have to say. Really? That was a ge very generous intro. Oh, thanks. Um, you know what? You've been nothing but generous with, with me. And um, we can get into that. like in terms of our own personal history and, and like things that we've done together, but also I kind of just mainly want to talk about you. So thanks for coming on. Uh, dude, what are you, what are you up to? Like what's today looking like? What's your life kind of looking like these days? Um, well, let's see today besides this podcast, um, right. and besides just like trying to book a, uh, COVID vaccine <laughs> appointment. <laughs> um, I uh, later later today I have kind of like a weekly writers group meeting. Um, uh, so I'm in a writers group that meets every single week, and we share kind of scripts and and stuff that we've been working on um, uh, with each other. And then yeah, I mean most of my days are kind of taken up with like writing and, and doing kind of like teaching um, related things. But Friday is kind of a nice. Uh, this, we're recording this on a Friday. And uh, Friday is kind of a nice um, day to to kind of close the loop on the week because uh, I end it with this writers group, so it's nice to kind of work on stuff during the week and then um, have the this group of um, writers uh, yeah. look at the stuff that I've been working on. Yeah, that's really really cool. How did you uh, get connected to that community? Well, it's all you know through the Upright Citizens Brigade uh, Theater. These are all people I met through there. And um, I've been a part of this group. This this group has actually like been together um, for like even like a year or so before I even joined. Um, but I've been a part of the group for like two or three years now. And yeah, it's a bunch of um, mm. writers and performers and teachers from um, uh, that kind of came up through uh, UCB. And you know, uh, because of the pandemic, we we were meeting in person, and now we're meeting um over zoom which has been right good so you're keeping it and, going yeah and it's just yeah. like a nice little way for us to be accountable and um get feedback from from people and it's very you know loose and casual uh but um yeah really fun well i mean i think it's amazing that we're afforded the the technologies to enable us to continue doing what it is that we do i mean everyone to their own extent i think it's like especially with writing too, is like you can literally do the thing. And then as long as you can talk and hear the other person, they can hear you, you have that community to support you. I think other things are a little bit more difficult. You know, I was engaged in a lot of stuff before uh, the pandemic that just kind of has been put on pause. And that has kind of sent me into all these little weird 
you know, mental spirals and stuff. So mm -hmm. I think in any, any area in which we can keep our thing going, I think that's really, really, that's great. But I couldn't help but hear uh, UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade. That's yes. dope. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. how, how long were you a part of, uh, of that thing? Um, I started, I think the first show I saw was like in 2004. Um, and then I started taking classes in 2000, January of 2005. Um, so since cool. then, since around that time. Um, and I kind of stumbled into it almost like accidentally because I was, you know, I had, I went to like my high school was this like very kind of like academically rigorous, like Jesuit, all boys Jesuit high school uh, here in the city. Um, actually, uh, Dr. Fauci is a, is an alumnus of, uh, my high school. Um, and you know, <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> and, uh, and so we, um, you know, everybody was kind of like, it, it was very academically competitive and everybody was, you know, uh, you're going to college, you're going to graduate college. And then I did, um, for a semester and then, um, my family just like, couldn't afford it. It was just like too expensive for us. Mm -hmm. So like I dropped out and then I didn't do anything for basically like a year except see movies and go to libraries around the city. And then I guess eventually, yeah. yeah. And then eventually I um, kind of stumbled into watching a show at UCB, an improv show called Ask Cat. Um, and I was like, whoa, what is this? You know, I, I, yeah. I had no intention of, of being like, of pursuing comedy at all, but there was something about it that I was like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah. And then eventually I started taking classes there and got more involved and, you know, eventually got on, onto like the, the house team, you know, house improv and sketch team track hey and yeah, became, you know, really entrenched in the theater. But that's how I got into it is, is almost by accident. And then through, through that is, you know, as, as I got more involved in the theater, that's when I kind of discovered like, oh, I should get into comedy writing as a, hmm. um, a career and try to oh, pursue interesting. that. But it was pretty, yeah, but it was pretty deep into that, um, UCB experience that I kind of discovered that it, it, right. it wasn't my intention, like starting the, um, right. you know, the, with the classes kind of a, kind of a hack phrase, but it was very organic as they say. Totally. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really neat. What, what's up? Oh, I thought you were going to say something. Oh, me? Yeah. No? I think it's no. interesting. Weren't you on the, uh, didn't you eventually perform with ASCAT? Yeah. So that so was you, kind of like a fun, yeah. like a full <laughs> kind of like full thing. circle moment. That's incredible. Uh, did you, uh, did you enjoy performing for them? And did, was that moment of your life as influential as, you know, seeing them perform? Yeah. I mean, it was like, I, that was the show that made me kind of fall in love with improv and the theater right. and made me want to take classes. And eventually, you know, when I was taking classes there, like I interned at ASCAT for like, like a year and a half, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had a little bit of that experience that, um, helped me kind of, uh, be even more into the show and more involved in the show. And then, yeah, a right. few years later when I was kind of the more, one of the more senior performers there, I joined the show as a cast member, which was like very, very cool for me just cause the show meant, meant a lot to me as, um, right. uh, yeah, as a, as a fan of improv, but then also as a fan of that show specifically. Huh. It's cool. I, I think like, you know, this city, it changes so often. And then the, the people that come in and out of it also change so frequently that a person can have multiple legacies at one place that, it, that you know, depending mm -hmm. on when you show up and when you decide to go to the place or, or enter into that community, you could meet someone and, and totally think of them as one thing. And then to have kind of some of those layers peeled back and see that it that it started earlier than when you showed up is that's just a really cool uh circumstance so it's like I, I just really think it's interesting when you can find a place that can that can not only allow you to grow but also grow with you um and i guess for those listening 
and don't know how influential and important UCB is to the, the, the scene here in New York for artists of all kinds. It's like, I guess I just want to ask you, how is UCB doing for those who, who aren't in the loop? And also, what does that kind of look like for that community that used to be so plugged in and a part of it? Um, I would say in terms of like people at UCB who have kind of like in the past risen through the ranks um, uh, and have kind of grown beyond UCB and are working in the interest industry, like they're doing very well. Basically every like every TV show, every comedy show and movie that you've loved in the past, like 15 years has had some sort of UCB involvement in it right. in some way. Right. Um, either there's a UCB actor in it or, or uh, UCB writers or um, uh, producers or what have you. Um, in terms of like how the theaters are operating, I mean, the, the pandemic just like took a buzzsaw through the theaters. And, you know, as we know, like yeah. a lot of live performance spaces, not just here in New York, but uh, everywhere. So, you know, UCB right. is like still doing online classes and still has a theater in L.A., but right now it doesn't have a, a presence in New York. I mean, they're trying to get back to they're trying to get back to establishing something after the. Uh, pandemic, but it's definitely mm. something that is, you know, it's it's a huge vacuum, and it's being filled, you know, by uh, some of these newer theaters that are really cool. Um, uh, but it's it's you know it's going to be a different kind of new beginning, uh, like past uh, what UCB has established. You know, right. so UCB will always have kind of this legacy of of establishing uh, uh, a live kind of upstart comedy space here in New York City. But now that it's essentially gone, you know, uh, like co comedy performers kind of have to figure out like, okay, what's next? What's new? What's right? What's interesting? What's um, what's cool? What's edgy? And I don't want to uh, sound insensitive, but it does seem like a moment to really put the I don't know what the actual phrase is, the metal to the grindstone. It's like, this is to actually kind of prove your your chops. Like this is what you you're learning and what you're doing is like you're creating something that that is meant to not last. So when mm -hmm. it happens in this bigger, I think more broad or or meta sense, it's like I get excited to see what people do because I think this is where really cool shit is is born. Totally, and I, I think it's things. also an opportunity to like you know inject more diversity, uh, diverse voices into. Ooh, you know, okay what do you okay what do you and mean then, by that well i mean i think it's not a secret that co comedy is like a lot of it is kind of driven by um white men <laughs> you know uh like like yeah. a lot of industries are and i think you know um ucb was like definitely guilty of of that um despite mm. uh, trying to um make changes uh uh you know, and how it was run. Um, there were also kind of like a lot of ways it was like mismanaged in terms of like the business side of uh, things, which was frustrating for people who loved the community and and loved the uh, um, the shows that were going up um, in the space. So uh, yeah, this is like, if we want to use the analogy of like a, a forest fire, you know, like a forest fire has like burned through the New York comedy scene. So now what, mm. what, what are the new flowers that are coming up that will replenish this, this forest of comedy in New York city? Right. And this is definitely a, like a natural forest fire, not like a gender reveal party forest fire. <laughs> yeah. Not one of those gender reveal ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, okay. So yeah, that's really cool. So, you found UCB, changed your life, then you changed UCB because you became a part of the community. That's great. Let's not make it too cheesy. But then you, you were at UCB, or excuse me, pr pronounce, let me pronounce a little better. You were at UCB. And mm -hmm. um, I'm from the Southeast, and Julie always rolls her eyes when I change that ah to an epsilon, <laughs> an eh. But that's just my Tennessee coming out. But okay, so you were... At UCB, right? And then this kind of moment of like, oh, I, I could be a writer or I should be a, whatever that moment was. Um, where did you kind of first go with that, with that impulse or with that energy? 
Well, actually, I actually remember the like literally the moment where I, I was like, cool. oh, I should focus on being a comedy writer and <laughs> instead of something else. So I'd been on, you know, a bunch of the Harold uh, teams there, which are kind of the house improv uh, teams. And um, uh, I think at that point, I'd also like, you know, gotten a commercial agent and w was going on like acting auditions and stuff, but I didn't really kind of fancy myself as like a performer um, or like a, a, a an actor on camera. Mm -hmm. um, just cause like I knew other people would do it so much better. And uh, I had like so much anxiety about it, you know, like learning, learning lines and, sure. you know, <laughs> and yeah. yeah, trying to pursue like acting as a it's career. It's not a stress-free, yeah, it's not a stress-free job. Yeah. And then, anybody. you know, like writing, like sketch writing was something that I was um, already kind of doing. I wasn't on any teams, but like it was something that I was doing. I'd, I'd taken the classes and stuff. And then um, I was like, you know, I, I'm pretty deep into this now. Like, how do I actually make a career out of this? Hmm. And then I was working the front desk at the UCB Training Center um, on 30th Street. This is like the, uh, uh, the old space on 30th street and two of the kind of like more senior performers were talking about, they were out in the lobby, just kind of talking about, um, uh, uh, a show, um, that one of them was doing. So it was, it was the performers were, uh, Chris Gethard and Anthony King. So Chris Gethard is like a comedian, very respected performer at UCB. And then Anthony King at the time was the artistic director. And they were talking about Chris Gethard's show. And, you know, I was just, uh, doing my work at the front desk and they were talking about the show and he was like, Oh, um, I'm really focusing on, uh, writing right now is what Gethard said. And I was like, huh? Yes, that makes sense. Like I shall also focus on writing. Like it, it didn't hit me until he said it, that it's like, Oh, you can focus on one thing instead of just generally being like dipping your huh. toe into, um, oh, I'll be an improviser. I'll, and I'll do commercials. Right. And I'll do, I, I mean, I still kind of, I still do all of that stuff, but my focus was um, writing uh, after that. So eventually, you know, um, I started to write more, kind of get a repertoire of sketches. I think I also had a writer's group back then, too. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, eventually got on the mod team there, uh, the mod teams, which are like the house sketch groups as a writer. And then I also um, became a writer for the uh, uh, digital teams, which um, uh, created sketches for the uh, UCB YouTube channel. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was writing a lot. So I was building up this repertoire of wow. um, sketches. And I, you know, during that, that time, I was also, I was years in at that point. So, you know, I'd met all these people. So not only was I building a kind of portfolio of my writing, I was also developing these relationships that would eventually help me kind of actually land opportunities uh, in comedy writing. That's really cool. Was it, um, was it kind of that typical, maybe it's typical only for me, but I have a, a vision, like an image of a writer just like with a limitless coffees pouring <laughs> over a grimy laptop, you know, at all hours of the night. What, what is that? What did, what is your process, I guess, look like now? And is it any different than, what it looks like when you had that first light bulb moment. Hmm. You know, it's funny you mentioned coffee because like I was not a coffee drinker until I got on these <laughs> sketch groups. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, oh my God, I'm so tired. Like I, I you know, because at that, at that time I had like a full-time job. Plus I was performing uh, and rehearsing every single week. Plus I was in these sketch groups. Um, Plus I was, you know, in rehearsals for things. Plus I was, you know, Gosh. we were shooting and uh, shooting these sketches. So like, I didn't have a lot of free time. It was very all consuming. Oh, and I was a teacher. So I was like teaching all these classes too. So I had wow. very, very little um, uh, free time. So I would find these little pockets of time to write, you know, um, that might mm -hmm. be during work when it was uh, downtime or like over the weekend or at night or something like that. And that, yeah, I started like drinking coffee as a <laughs> as a way to just keep myself like um, energized uh, throughout the day. Yeah, uh, I was more of a tea drinker than a coffee drinker. And then oh, now, okay. like what's 
actually, this is, you know, I've kind of settled into because largely of the pandemic and I'm not commuting so much, I've settled into this kind of nice routine of, you know, I, I kind of have a walking start to the day. You know, I wake up around like eight and then, you know, uh, I don't write immediately. I'll, I'll like, I'll um, kind of go through like a morning routine, you know, like I, I'll, yeah, I'll do a little uh yoga i'll meditate i'll have some breakfast right yeah maybe take a walk or something like that beautiful um yeah all that stuff and then um and then eventually i'll settle in kind of you know around noon to to Mm -hmm. write for a few hours Um, you know it's funny you say all that stuff because it's like it's so easy to just kind of brush over that but to what whoever you are and whatever you do Like you got to find whatever all that stuff is for you. And, um, it, it may look completely different than, than what you do Achilles, but like whatever your, your thing is, I I think it's real. it really is important to get your mind right before you do anything. Um, like before this, this episode, I was like, I just had to take a couple breaths, sit up straight and take a couple breaths. Remember what it is that I'm, that I'm doing, which is like, at the end of the day, nothing too important or nothing too not important. It's just like, I got to do it. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Um, but no, I think that is, uh, that is really important. It's, it's, you're getting yourself like mentally prepared to focus. Um, do you watch mm-hmm. tennis at all? It's fine I, if you don't, but <laughs> I don't, I did like I did growing up. It's fun. Like, but I don't now, I don't watch any sports. The, the reason, the reason I bring it up is like, um, Rafael Nadal has like this routine where he has a ton of routines, but the one I'm thinking of specifically is like, so he gets out to play and then he has these two huge bottles of, I think, orange juice. And he like, he puts them in the same exact place and he, he, um, he turns them just so in the, you know, a, a specific spot. So he has like, um, this kind of, it looks almost like a superstition or like OCD or something OCD, like right, that. Yeah. And, and, um, somebody asked him about it. Like, why do you do that? Like, what, what does that do? And he's like, um, that helps me, uh, that puts me in a mental space to be like, I have put everything in its right place. I'm now ready to play and focus and, um, uh, do my best in, in this match, huh. you know, which I thought wow. was really interesting because it's like, it's such a small thing, but for him, it's like, it's a part of his routine. So it, it right. puts him in this, his place of, of like extreme focus, you know, he's now he's ready to, to right. take on the challenge of the, the, the match or whatever. Well, I think that's interesting too. focus and control. It's, it's almost like he's set up like a structure where he can eliminate variables and it's just a mindset that maybe can just translate onto the court. Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating actually. Um, so speaking of getting your mind right in order to do the thing that it is that you do, I could be wrong, but like, since you've become a writer up until this point, you got stuff popping off, right? Like you have, you have a show like RN, RN right now. Yeah. uh, this was kind of like my pandemic, uh, project over the the past year or so so yeah like um there's um a an upcoming uh you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to no i I, i'm happy to talk about it okay i'm I'm excited to to hear about about it it. okay cool (laughs) it's it's um (laughs) it's called hit job it's an um audible original um uh series uh that comes out on april 22nd check it out uh it stars Done. Kiki Palmer and Pete Davidson and a bunch of other amazing uh, actors. And what was cool about it was, so I, I uh, it was created by a writer named Eric Cunningham, who uh, I, I know through A Bright Citizens Brigade, mm. and then um, uh, co-written with me and uh, another writer, Lauren Gerganis, who is uh, an amazing writer who has worked on Thirty Rock and Kimmy Schmidt and you know uh, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, produced by Broadway Video. And so cool. what was cool about the project was since it was an audio series, it, it, it was kind of interesting to write in that space. And then also 
with the the pandemic happening, we were able to record with so many people and they were excited to record with us because, you know, like there was kind of, they couldn't do their normal acting stuff. So they were uh, very gung ho about working with us. And um, uh, yeah, it was just a really exciting uh, process and, and um, uh, working experience for sure. Did you, sorry, there was like a weird sawing noise going on, but I, I don't, I hope it didn't like distract you. So how much of this like process is virtual? Um, a, a lot of it was virtual. So um, Pete and Kiki both live in New York. So we had them in, um, you know, we, we got like COVID tests before the recording process. So it was all kind right. of like we were following all the the guidelines and stuff but they would come into the studio we would all be in the studio in in kind of like separate you know areas uh, recording wild um but we um we were all in the same space uh, in person and um once in a while we would have other actors come in to record along with them which is unusual usually you know for stuff like this or like animation you're you're never recording with the person who's opposite of you in uh, in the scene. You're just recording mm-hmm. by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we were very lucky to have the both of them in the same space for most of the time. And then for people, you know, we had we were recording actors in L.A. There was an actor in Florida. There was an actor in Michigan. You know, they were all kind of all over the place. And we would just send them a kit, like a, a, a recording kit. Yeah. Um, and you know, our, our sound engineer would kind of work, you know, help them work through the, the technical elements, but then, yeah, it was just like, they'd be recording from their house with, with, uh, um, and we would kind of patch them in. It was very high tech, uh, all the stuff we were doing, but they would, so um, they would record at their own house in like, with, with like the kit that you sent them, they could set things up and kind of navigate a little at home studio for themselves. Basically, yeah, and then That's we would. That's so sick. Yeah, yeah. Part of the kit was, you know, a laptop where you know they they would, um, uh, also we, they'd zoom along with us, so we like I could give them direction and stuff during oh, cool uh, the recording, um, and then sometimes you know like uh for like the a couple of the LA actors for example, um, they would go to a recording studio and then we would patch in our recording studio with the LA recording studio and you know we would have multiple actors playing off each other uh that way Hmm. that's fun so yeah did you enjoy being a part of it on on your side of things like past creating the thing and writing the thing co-creating and co-writing uh whatever the credits are did you enjoy it when it when you were actually executing it yeah definitely um I, i think part of what's enjoyable most enjoyable about it for me is like i i like the the kind of working with other people like the collaborating uh of it all because you know when when you're writing by yourself and alone that can often be like very frustrating and a little depressing sometimes when you're just kind of like you know uh alone and in in your room in front of the computer trying to figure out like how to um make something interesting or funny um, but when you're yeah. working with other people, like, I think that I got a lot of energy out of that. Like, that was very fun uh, for me. And I just like working with actors and trying to problem yeah. solve and, you know, yeah. do do director biz, basically. Um, it's like s- stuff I enjoy, stuff I want to keep doing. That's good. That's good to hear. And uh, I mean, sa- it sounds like you enjoy it. And and I think that when people actually do enjoy what they're doing and in and, and the ways in which they have to do them. Like it, it does come across and um, like coming back, I guess, full circle, like two things stick out to me. Um, you know, it's about, it's really just about the community, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and if you don't have anybody to bounce things off of, it's just kind of like, you know, staring into the void. And uh, th- that moment that you're talking about, like you're trying to make things funny on your own or you're trying to, do like create even create something completely on your own i think that you're really swimming upstream you know with a lot of bears ready to rip you out of the 
river and just kind of eat you whole. And those bears yeah. are really you staring back at yourself as the salmon. And you're like, what the hell is going on? And when you're with other people, you get out of your head to a point where things actually can function a little, a little better. So um, the fact that you guys made this work like in these times is just unbelievable. And I, um, I really can't wait. I can't wait to listen. Yeah. I'm excited for it. To, yeah, dude. To, to come out. Um, so one thing I have to, Oh, what's up? I'd rather. Hear no, I was just going to say like, it, yeah. I think, yeah, I totally agree with you where it's like the collaboration keeps you sharp. Like I, I, I definitely felt that, you know, at least when the pandemic started where, you know, everything kind of shut down. I'm, you know, it's just like me and my girlfriend here uh, at home. We're not really seeing anybody. And yeah. then, you know, it was it was like a huge disruption in the sense that, like, you know, I would see uh, people or teach classes and, you know, be working with groups of people all the time and then didn't have that for months. And then I really felt like not sharp. You know, it was almost like I'd forget things. And then like yeah. when I, when there was a zoom that where I was like talking to people, I'd be like, wait, what was I talking about? And then eventually, you know, started <laughs> teaching online classes, uh, again, and then, you know, got into like finally sharpening my, um, kind of my mental state, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I totally agree with you where it's like the collaboration helps you just be engaged in a way where it's just not possible with either you writing by yourself or whatever. Right. And I think I'm really forcing this transition here, but one of the keys to being an artist is to find that, that collaboration and, you know, parts of collaboration, I do think still come with compromise when two or more entities come together and choose to make something that's bigger than themselves, you, you do come to these moments of crossroads where you have to make choices that may not be what you want, but it may be what the project is asking for. So this is my way of forcing this. I am in many ways doing the opposite of what Pete Davidson is doing. I am one, not white. Two, oh, I don't know if he's white. He, he reads as white. But that was actually a joke. I don't care. I don't care about, I actually don't care about race at all. But the, the other thing is like, um, he's actively getting all of his tattoos removed. That's right. For roles. And it, yeah, if you have insights on this, I'd love to know, but like I'm in the process of getting covered in tattoos. And I just think that like with the experience I'm going through and how extreme and intense that is, I can only imagine like what he's like the lengths that he's going to to do what he loves is like it's really fascinating to me. And every time I bring this up with somebody, they're like, "Oh, cool, yeah, Pete Davidson," but um, like tattoos, whatever. But this is kind of interesting to me. I don't know. Did it come up at all? It did come up. In, uh, it did not come up. In fact, like during the time uh, we were working with him, he was still pretty like tatted up. Um, cause he would, I mean, this is, this is kind of funny, but the, like, so he, he usually got the smaller booth and then Kiki got the, um, the bigger, uh, <laughs> recording booth <laughs> and That's then awesome. the smaller booth would get hot, you know? So he would just have his shirt off. Cause it was like, oh, yeah. uh, one, he was like smoking like a chimney in there and then, uh, two it would just get hot, you know, cause Hilarious. he'd be there for, uh, <laughs> for hours. So like you, we'd see him like just in his tattooed completely tattooed state but um it's amazing yeah we didn't really get into talking about him removing his uh tattoos because i think this was actually you know some a, a little bit of time before he made that decision to get his oh a little bit removed. before yeah <clears throat> yeah he's he's fascinating to me i think one he's hilarious two uh, people people have mixed uh, reviews, mixed emotions regarding his tattoos, but mm -hmm. I think that like he made choices and I like them, which is part of the reason why I'm like, I can't believe he's like, I cannot believe he's just getting it all removed. But hey, power to Pete Davidson and power to Hit Job. Yeah. Is, is your um, kind of... Is is this a new thing that you've uh, started to take on tattoos or have you had tattoos for a while or I've what, had the, some, yeah. I've had a fascination for a while and I was like, 
doing the whole, like, I'm going to be an actor. I need to keep my, my canvas clean type of thing. Uh, mm. So I can play like different types of roles. And then I just had a switch where I was like, you know what? I, I think I'm not to be, I, I don't really like to use this word, but like, I, I think I'm more on the artist side of things where I don't, I'm not necessarily just an actor. So uh, th- there, a weird switch happened where I'm like getting tattoos even though I, I don't want to, but it feels like I'm doing it for a different reason. And it's like, I don't know. It's like a further uh, way to express myself. And so it's like uh, the, the idea of covering parts of my body with ink is a new thing, but getting tattoos and having them is not. I see. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it, it must be some like an interesting thought process to yeah like be an actor be like yeah i'm a blank canvas uh literally and figuratively and then and then yeah get tattoos although you know like there are sometimes it's 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 a plus right like you Mm. you you have a certain look and you lean into that look and then now casting directors are like oh you have a look well we can see you for this uh role so it can be a a a double-edged thing where that's true it's it's like it, the uniqueness of it gets you noticed, but then also maybe eliminates you from consideration for other things that um, might not be in that bucket or that category. You know uh, what? That's category. 100% true. But I think regardless, like it makes me in a weird way feel a little more comfortable in my, like I feel a little truer to myself. And so I think with that, like it's like, Look, if at the end of the day, I'm making content and I'm just making more content in that type of thing, as opposed to like getting acting jobs and creating that type of a career, like that's fine with me. Like, I'm good with that. Um, Like, I don't know. Are there any other dream jobs that you would envision yourself having that you just are like, you know what? I'm fine with that. Not Like maybe, I don't know, balling it up a little bit on the courts. Like dream jobs. that I would want to have someday. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, like playing for the New York Knicks or. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's not just a dream job. It's just like just a fantasy job. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Just playing for the Knicks. When you wake up and get your mind right, you're just going on walks thinking about the Knicks. Yeah. looking at pictures of all the players <laughs> i mean i'm such a i'm such a like um frustrated knicks fan like because you know i was a kid in the 90s so i remember them being good and if yeah. if you were born in this century you, like the knicks have just been bad so like right. n- n- you know if you're like a 20 year old knicks fan like one um how did you even start rooting for the knicks they have they've they've had maybe one good season um in the past 20 years yeah. But I remember them being really, really good and, you know, um, like being such a force in the 90s. And then, yeah, just the past 20 years have been uh, a shit show. Although this year has been, you know, a, a, a nice surprise. And what, mm-hmm. what I kind of appreciate about the Knicks is I'm also a Yankees fan. Um, OK, clearly yeah. I grew up in New York. Uh, I'm also a Yankees fan and the Yankees have had way more success in the past like 20, 25 years than the Knicks have. So like I've kind of balanced my sports fandom in that way where I follow a team that is actually competent um, and follow yeah. a team that is, has been completely incompetent. Well, um, are the Knicks the, games fun? Like, have you been to any? Yeah, I've been to I a ton imagine. of yeah. Knicks games and they are so fun because yeah. uh, and if you ask any like opposing player who plays at madison square garden even though the knicks are bad they're like oh my god the, the, the stadium and the the um uh, uh the fans it's like my favorite arena to uh, play in and i think that's true even if when the knicks are bad and they're playing well it's it's like there's there's nothing like it i would say um and i think you know as a, a comedian who uh, is a sports lover and has been playing basketball since he was a kid and is okay uh to mediocre as a basketball player it's just like this fun fantasy that i have to to be like oh i'm a, i'm a comedy writer plus i'm also the <laughs> i'm also a a superstar guard for <laughs> for the knicks it's just something i like to to fancy myself doing do you uh yeah so i mean what is the what is the season like what is what do sports look like now um 
at least for basketball, uh, there haven't been fans in the arena. They're starting they, to let like, some more fans in, but it's like, uh, do they put very fake crowds in there? They put no. Well, they have. There are a few places that do kind of the um, the uh, virtual fans or the kind of like um, cardboard cutouts of uh, yeah. fans, <laughs> and then there are some places yeah. that are allowing um, very very limited capacity fans. Usually, they're like you know like very far away from the players. So there's like not a, a lot of interaction um, mm-hmm. there. But as things start to open up, they'll, they'll allow more fans in. Do you think that you would ever write, and maybe I'm speaking in ignorance because you've already done it, um, but do you think you'd ever write anything about basketball? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, what, one one oh, of yeah. my kind of like um, sample scripts is uh was a basketball comedy that was basically like eastbound and down meets like 30 rock oh, cool. um but bas- with basketball uh, yeah and um that's like my kind of show right there yeah i mean it's it, to me like I, I really enjoy the script and i actually just like there's like um there's a open writing assignment right now for a certain production company that i like just like tried to pitch myself uh for that's like, hey, I wrote this basketball comedy and then you guys are trying to look for a basketball or trying to develop this basketball comedy. I'm the perfect person uh, for this. We'll see how that goes. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, like I mentioned before, like most of the podcasts I listen to, most of the non-comedy content I I consume is like basketball related. So I'm just, I I love it so much that... um, uh, I don't mind just being even more immersed in it and and combining my loves of comedy and basketball. Yeah, I mean, I think also with all the things that you do to then go to consume something like to consume something that is basically what you do all the time, I think would be a, not overkill, but it might just become like what we were talking about, the void or an echo chamber. Um, those moments where you kind of have to go outside of yourself or, or the things that you, you normally do day to day. Um, and I don't know, maybe you're lacing up and hitting the courts every day, but like <laughs> you're yeah, like, as far as what you do, you're not like necessarily a basketball player. So it's nice to like find those, those things. Like for me, not to make the episode about me, but for, like for me, like I started, you know, training in jujitsu and it's not like I was going to become a UFC or an MMA fighter, but a lot of my podcasts that I listened to were jujitsu podcasts or MMA mm. podcasts. And I think, yeah, I, there's like, there are very few podcasts that I listen to about people like trying to do weird nonprofit arts companies and like making podcasts and stuff like that. Like I don't listen to that type of stuff. Um, I like stuff that's different from me so I can like bring yeah. it back, you know? It's almost like a palate cleanser for your life too, you know, yeah. because if, if you are so immersed in that, like you want a little bit of a, a change, you want a little bit of like, right. oh, that, you know, I'm not pursuing this as my career, but this is something that interests me and I enjoy, you know, which I think it's really yeah. important to have those kind of balancing elements in your life. Okay. I, I agree. And I, I really just want to hit two more things and then I'm going to open up the floor and you can say whatever you want to say. If there's something that is on your chest and you just want to get it off your chest, right. And, or not, you know, okay. or if you're just like, Hey, this was great. I have nothing left to say. Uh, if you want to plug anything, you can do that. Um, it's really, the floor is yours, but I have two things. One. So this is, kind of like a question that I would ask a lot when I first started the show and then I stopped I kind of stopped asking it so I don't it's been a while since I've kind of phrased it so let me let me try here it okay take Achilles at this really strict Jesuit school right if you could hop or if you could see on a screen what you're doing now and like where your life is and and it may like make sense to you. It may blow your mind, whatever that is. Like, think about all the things that from that moment to where you are now and all the things that have happened and where you are. So now, t- now act like this is the starting point and you're going to be looking into a screen 
of where you are 10, 12, 15, five, whatever, whatever the vision of the future is for you, what would you um, maybe be excited to see? Or what, what do you want to see? Maybe you want to answer it. What would you not want to see? I don't know. Mm. So this is me looking into a, like a, a future, um, a future portal of yeah. um, uh, possibilities, five, 10, 15 years. There we now, go. Right. Yeah. There um, I can, con- yeah, I can condense I th- that question. In the I think what, what would be cool would be um, to see myself like either uh, show running a TV show, um, directing a show or a movie, um, uh, even like like writing a book or something like that. You know, something mm-hmm. where it's it's like I'm in full control of my uh, career. I'm um, able to make creative decisions that are um that i believe in and uh are fun and uh interesting um you know i guess that's like the kind of specific career stuff and then more generally i just yeah i just want to be i just want to keep making stuff you know um as long as i'm making stuff that um and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm employed to making stuff. Uh, I think that's, that's for sure, uh, a win. Um, right. but yeah, I mean, my, my goals are definitely to like, you know, run, run my own show, uh, write movies and TV, direct them. Yeah. Well, stuff. I mean, from yeah. this side of the looking glass, it seems like things may be headed in that direction. So you can, that's, that's really, it's really cool. And, uh, I'm excited to, to know you and to, to watch it, you know, to watch it from this end and to also be able to consume the things that, that you, uh, that you create. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for where things go from here. Yeah. Um, and then my, my last thing, this is the only other thing that I have because we've already gone maybe 30 minutes over 35 minutes over the ideal, uh, podcast length that, that <laughs> you would have if you, okay, if you had your own podcast, but this is my podcast. So I have one more question and it's not even a question. I'm actually asking you to do something kind of like if someone finds out they're like, you're an actor, like, Oh, can you do a monologue? So you are a very good teacher. You're a very good improvert and you're also good at writing. So I, I feel like it would be a miss to not ask you to lead us in a closing game or something. Like mm. if there's any type of game that we can play on past episodes, I've played mind meld, which is a fun jammer. And so like a little nice back pocket, old reliable, but if there's anything else, I'd be happy to learn. Okay. So one, uh, I've, I've, coached a few kind of like zoom um improv uh sessions in the past and this might be weird with two people but i think we could do it so i've done um i've done this for my in-person classes too but i think it could be fun over um uh over this cool uh so this is basically like a one word tweet so the way this is going to work is we'll go just one by one, uh, word by word. So I might I might start and I, I might go the, and then you would go, and then you would say the next word in that tweet, and then it would come, go back to me, and I would do the next word of that okay. tweet. And then when it feels like we've done a tweet, somebody, um, either you or me, would hashtag that tweet to kind of uh, okay. uh, punctuate that beat. So it might be like, um, uh, so pretend I'm kind of, we're going back and forth here. Yeah, so yeah. Um, uh, the cow went to dinner with uh the fox hashtag odd couple or something like that it doesn't it's it you know it could just be like weird and silly and absurd okay uh does that make i'm sense? gonna apologize in advance because i'm goofy and i'm gonna lose it a lot i think uh but yeah this makes sense i'm excited so yeah let's do one let's do one okay, uh okay. you want me to start yeah okay uh clouds go over all the earth and also they enter the dreams of children. 
<laughs> Hashtag nightmares. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is fun. That is actually very terrifying. Okay. <laughs> I, I kind of love that tweet. It's it's so like it kind of starts out like. It kind of starts out like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then hashtag nightmares. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, wait, did I read that wrong? <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> it definitely sounds like a bot tweet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> There's like not an actual like brain behind it. It's yeah. just numbers. <laughs> it's like, this looks like a sentence. And then let's put a hashtag. <laughs> but that's what I love about this. Uh, um, this that was fun. Uh, uh, this improv warm up slash game is like, yeah, I can just get crazy and weird and silly. That was really fun. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, can I use that going forward? Yeah, please. What's the name of it? It's just one word tweet. I think one I made it tweet. up actually. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, a real, that's a good name. That's a good name. You know, there, there's a, there's a uh, warm up called one word story. Um, that's mm, kind of a right. similar uh, dynamic, but, uh, I just turned it into tweet. Um, you kind of modernized it, with right? Hash, yeah, with with the yeah. hashtag thing at the Made end. Made it relevant. Yeah. And that's what that's what you do. Okay, mm -hmm. so the floor is yours. Um, I have nothing to say other than thank you. This was uh, interesting. I, I hope like you enjoyed it, and I hope we talked about things that were interesting to you. But um, I, I am very happy with, uh, with the episode. So I'm opening the floor. You have the mic. What's up? Yeah, well, yeah, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I guess to, to do a little self- promo yeah hit job comes out on um audible originals on april uh 22nd and then my i guess all my social media stuff is like at a s t a m a t e um that's on twitter and instagram and then i also teach these writing classes um so if you follow me on those uh uh social media channels you'll be able to kind of like see where you can sign up for classes or join my mailing list to find out more about classes. Um, but yeah, these writer's room classes uh, I've been doing are, uh, they kind of simulate what it's like to be a staff writer. Um, so we, we uh, pick a, a, a currently running TV show to spec, and then we kind of go through the process of writing an episode of that show. Um, and they've been very fun. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, those are, those are my big things that I wanted to mention. Cool. Yeah. So if I were to one word tweet our entire episode, I'd say hashtag full circle because we started oh, yes. with writer's group and we ended with writer's group. Yes. Dude, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to stop the recording, but maybe not hang up the actual call and we'll say goodbye as non-podcasting humans. Let's do that. Looking for Artists is a rock rising podcast. Learn more about us on Instagram at Rock Rising Inc. That's R-O-C-K-R-I-S-I-N-G-I-N-C. Looking for Artists is available anywhere you podcast.